I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Instant Reaction Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a cold night, Saturday night here in the state of Iowa where Floyd of Rosedale will take up residency for an eighth straight year uh, as the Iowa Hawkeyes somehow come away with a 13-10 victory over Minnesota in Minnesota. It's Iowa's fourth win in a row, seventh win on the season, eighth win against Minnesota in a row. Kirk Ferentz has yet to lose to P.J. Fleck. And wow, <laughs> I mean, what a game. What a, uh, <clears throat> what a way for Iowa to find a way. Uh, I think for the entire second half, it felt like Minnesota was going to win that game. It was just a matter of time. It was a matter of when uh, Mo Ibrahim was going to be able to, to break the play or make the play. Um, when you know it was just going to wear Iowa's defense down to the point which we've seen happen before, uh, to the point where Minnesota's offense could just just kind of push the ball into the end zone, and uh, they just weren't able to do it. Uh, once again, it comes down to the margins. It comes down to the 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 important plays, the turnover battle in which Iowa won two to nothing, was up to nothing, two turnovers to, to zero. Uh, special teams where Iowa had good punting game, a a couple of nice returns from Cooper DeGene, some nice getting down the field and and stopping the ball, downing the ball from Cooper DeGene and, uh, and a Drew Stevens leg that kicked two field goals. Whereas Minnesota's kicker missed one field goal. That's that's the difference in the game. That's the story of the game. Um, the story of the game is Iowa is just resilient. It's the story of the season, right? I mean, this season's story is writing itself, and and now it is that this Hawkeye team never gives up. No matter the odds, uh, no matter the noise, no matter the circumstance, they keep coming, and they're going to keep coming. And now you're a win away. A win away. A home win over a bad Nebraska team away from going back to Indianapolis and playing for a Big Ten championship for this row. It's incredible. It's wild. Uh, this this season is uh, is among the more interesting of the Ferentz era. Not the best, certainly not the worst, but among the more interesting. Um, and th- this was <laughs> among the more interesting games. Uh, you know, you look at everybody else's stats, and they're all somewhat pedestrian. Spencer Peters played really well. Um, he took a really bad sack in the third quarter. He had a really bad series uh, late in the game in the fourth quarter after after the Ibrahim fumble, fumble uh, where Iowa really needed something, if only to, to give their defense a breather, and, and they weren't able to do anything. A couple of bad throws from Petrus on that drive. Uh, but certainly in the first half, and, and really when Sam Laporta was out there, Petrus looked really good. And then even into the second half, uh, although it didn't result in, in points, 
the pretty much the whole game he seemed confident uh his arm was was live he was hitting tight ends and receivers um he was making those reads he he stepped up and made that really nice third down play to Laporta uh you know after kind of avoiding a sack um Spencer Peters had a really good game. Not a great game, but a, a good game for, for him and, and for this offense. Um, but again, the, 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 the only stat that jumps out at you is Mo Ibrahim. I'm going to say his name like four or six different ways. I don't know exactly how you say it. So I'm just going to keep trying, and one of them will be right. Um, he had 263 yards rushing. Minnesota as a team rushed for over 300 yards in this game. Ibrahim had 39 carries and a long of 54. He had the touchdown. He had the fumble. But he put up one of the more impressive games you'll ever see of a running back. Certainly one of the more impressive games you'll ever see a running back have against this Iowa defense. Uh, And as impressive of a game as you can have in a loss. 263 yards. I mean, that's a, that's a career high for him. That's an incredible game. Uh, you know, hope, hoping that I would hold him under 100 felt like a fool's errand because he had, I think, 1,800 yards or something like that, 13 or 14 maybe. Uh, but to allow him 263 yards is, is wild. But the bend-but-don't-break nature of this defense that has always been the case under Phil Parker um, – showed itself in spades today for for you to give up that many yards on the ground that many consecutive positive plays from that offensive line and that running game and not give up more than 10 points this is the 8th game out of 11 that Iowa has held its opponent to 10 points or less they're 6-2 and two in those games They've lost two games where the opponent, Iowa State scored 10, Indiana, or Illinois scored 9, and beat Iowa in both those games. But this defense has allowed 10 points or fewer in 8 of 11 games. That's a crazy stat. That's a stat of a team that should probably be undefeated. But, alas, there is the Iowa offense. And, and even though Spencer Peters had a good game, the running game uh, could not really get it going late. Uh, had a couple of really nice runs from LeSean Williams and Caleb Johnson. Uh, Caleb Johnson ended up with 43 yards on 8 carries. LeSean, 38 yards on 11 carries. Gavin Williams had a couple of carries for 8 yards. Uh, but just 59 yards rushing for the game for the Hawkeyes. 250 fewer than Minnesota. But... Uh, 220 yards passing for Spencer Petrus. Found eight different receivers, seven different receivers. Uh, Sam Laporta had those four catches for 95 yards in the first half and then was injured. Didn't see the game. I didn't see the field in the second half. Will be interesting to see kind of what his status is. He's obviously a huge part of that offense. But Luke Lachey stepped right up and, and stepped into those shoes and had five catches for 77 yards. Brody Brecht with a couple of nice catches, 21 yards. And then one catch each for Nico Regani, Regaini, Arlen Bruce, um, Addison Estrenga, who's the the third string tight end who came in uh, when Laporta was out, and then Gavin Williams caught one out of the backfield. Uh, but overall, Spencer Peters had a, had a really nice game. Uh, again, though, 
it's all about this defense. And and even even when Ibrahim was marching down the field, and even when the the offensive line was really and I was I was defensive line, which had had really really good games leading up to this. Um, but but Minnesota's offensive line was up to the challenge. And even when there was consternation on social media about this defense and how they didn't expect the defense to be the ones to let us down today, they had only allowed seven points at halftime, only allowed 10 points in the game. It felt like it was going to be more than that. It felt like Minnesota was about to break it, break it open and, and maybe score, even score a couple of fourth quarter touchdowns. And they just weren't able to. Uh, Ibrahim with the fumble. I think Jack Campbell came up and, and made that play made that hit Deontay Craig landed on the fumble heads up play by him to, to to see the ball and fall on it and then the interception from uh Cali Manis uh, tried to force a throw you had Riley Moss tip it up you had Jack Campbell grab it and Jack Campbell took that back for six uh it's too bad they blew that play dead when they thought he stepped out of bounds at the 45 because that was a great pick six. Now you wonder if it was almost better that it played out the way it did because if Iowa scores that uh, on that that touchdown that Campbell had, a it's really cool for Jack Campbell and really cool for Iowa's defense to have another pick six. But uh, that gives Minnesota a lot of time, enough time to probably keep running Ibrahim, Ibrahim, however you say his name, probably enough time to keep running him and uh, and and try to to tie the game up. The way it was though. Um, Iowa was able to hold on to the ball till there was, what, 20 seconds left or so when Drew Stevens kicked the, the winning field goal, and it didn't give Minnesota a chance to, to do anything. So, hey, it ended up playing out well, and, uh, and Floyd is coming home, man, eight straight, and, uh, and again, the Big Ten championship is uh, right around the corner. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You know, Iowa's offense struggled today at times, and and really the the disappointing thing is when Iowa's offense gets behind the sticks. When they have a negative play, it just it feels like no matter how well the drive has gone to that point, it all falls apart. It all falls apart, and and it did um, when Spencer Petrus took that bad sack. It was a bad sack. Uh, I think it was in the third quarter. Yeah, the third quarter, uh, eight minutes left. Iowa gets the ball. Petrus. Throws a really nice ball to Nico Reggiani for 11 yards and a first down. LeSean Williams follows that up with a 17-yard run. Caleb Johnson then breaks off a 21-yard run. And uh, all of a sudden, I was in business inside the the 26-yard line of Minnesota. And it felt like uh, the offense had really had it going at that point. And then Spencer Petras just doesn't see a blitzing corner. I don't know how you don't see him, but he didn't see him. And he took that 10-yard sack. 
had an incomplete pass. And then on third and 20, you just hand the ball off and let Gavin Williams run right into the line of scrimmage. It's it's crazy that they allowed that to happen. It's, it's crazy that that was the play call, especially with how well Spencer Peters had been playing and with how well he generally takes care of the ball. I mean, you, you're not real scared that he's going to make a bad throw. He'll stand in there and either take a sack or, or uh, get rid of the ball, throw it out of bounds if he needs to. And if you're just going to punt the ball from the 36 anyway, uh, an incomplete pass or even a, a small sack or, or a um, a throwaway doesn't doesn't hurt you at all, and so that was really disappointing to to see that. Uh, but then Tory Taylor able to punt that down, and and uh, Cooper DeGene able to down that at the three yard line. And then it's a couple three and outs for Iowa's offense, and then again the the fumble with just five minutes left, and Iowa gets the ball on their own nine, and it really felt like go win the game. Now's your chance, offense, go win the game. And what do they do? A, a zero-yard pass to Luke Lachey, a similar play to what they did early in the game with Sam Laporta that went for a big gainer, uh, and then a couple of confusing, convoluted pass plays that had no chance of being completed, and and all of a sudden Iowa has to punt the ball after just one minute of, of holding on to the ball, after your defense had just had a 16-play, eight, almost nine-minute, 90-yard drive on them. And they got 60 seconds of rest as your team goes three and out, as the offense goes three and out. Uh, but the defense came back out and, and did what they do, man. And they they won this game. Uh, Iowa obviously had to make a couple of plays there. Petrus to Lachey, 33 yards on that first down um, after the interception was huge. Then it was all just kind of handing the ball out, <laughs> icing your own kicker at one point, uh, and then letting Drew Stevens kind of continue to make his case for uh, for Groza finalist as he kicks the uh, the game winning field goal with just a couple of seconds left. I guess 20, 20 seconds left. Minnesota did still have a a chance there, but it was a few incomplete passes, and uh, and that was the end of the game. And just another November Big Ten slog win. Uh, and just a Kirk Ferentz special. You already saw. If you if you haven't seen, you should check it out. If you're on Twitter or probably anywhere on social media, the Iowa football uh, Twitter account posted a picture of Kirk hugging Jack Campbell, and it's you know emotional Kirk crying Kirk after a win like that. You know he loves to be PJ Fleck. You know he loves these trophies, and you know he loves to stick it to you know all of us that were questioning the direction of this program just a few weeks ago when Iowa was three and four and then gotten its doors kicked in by Ohio State. And the competition level has dropped precipitously. There's no question. And Iowa's offense, certainly in these last two games, has not been anything great. Uh, Iowa's offense looked good against Northwestern, looked good against Purdue, did not look great against Wisconsin in a win, and and didn't look great again today, although Spencer Petras looked pretty good for the most part. Uh, But you've won these four games, and they're four division rivals. It's four uh, important games. And, you know, say what you want about the strength of the Big Ten West, but these are the teams that Iowa has to play year in and year out. These are the teams that Iowa Iowa's stated goal is to be better than these teams. And uh, as of right now, Iowa is better than these teams. Iowa has put itself in a position uh, to represent this league again in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. And uh, just what an incredible turn of events. Uh, the uh, I think Keith Murphy here in, in Des Moines said something last week on his sound off show on WHO TV. Uh, you know, the Iowa offense is broken. 
for sure, right? And there, there, there are things that need to be fixed, uh, whether that be the offensive coordinator, the offensive line, the quarterback, the, the weapons, the, the recruiting, the development, right? There, there's, it needs to be fixed. Because you shouldn't be 7-4 and four when your defense is this good. So Iowa's offense may be broken. The culture is not broken. And there's been a lot of chances for this culture to have broken over the last couple of years. And the fact that it hasn't uh, really, really says something about the leadership of this program and about the way Kirk Ferentz has, has kind of run these things. It's not always perfect. You may not always like it. He's not always right by any means. Um, major changes have been needed. Uh, things haven't gone always smoothly in that area either. Um, it's not perfect, and it's not. Uh, it can be improved upon. But man, to have a team with this kind of resiliency, again, year in and year out, uh, is, is really something. It's really cool. Let's go through a few of the team stats. Uh, just just thirty first downs in this entire game. Seventeen for Minnesota, thirteen for Iowa. Minnesota held the ball for uh, almost eleven minutes more than Iowa. Thirty five minutes of possession, time of possession. I'm I'm actually a little surprised it's not uh, more. Of a uh, of a gap than that, Minnesota came in as I think the best team in the Big Ten, maybe one of the top teams in the country on third down conversions. Uh, they were seven of sixteen today, so well below their their typical mark. Uh, and you see how they get there. Ibrahim runs for nine yards on two downs, and they have third and one, third and two over and over again. It just so happened I was able to stop him a couple of times on that. Minnesota one for two on fourth down. I was three of eleven on third down, not great. One of one on fourth down. Uh, Minnesota had many more yards than Iowa total, uh, but it's because of Ibrahim and, and his incredible rushing numbers. Minnesota ends with 312 rushing yards, but again, excuse me, Ibrahim had 360 something. Iowa just 59 rushing yards, uh, but Iowa 9.2 yards per pass. That's May not be a big number for a lot of teams. That's a big number for Iowa. It was good to see the receivers get more involved. The slant game. This was uh, he he played a lot better. Didn't play great, but he played a lot better. Fifty rushing attempts for Minnesota, just twenty-eight for Iowa. Just fifteen passes for for Minnesota, which you understand with a a young quarterback against this Iowa defense. And for the most part, it didn't seem like Iowa's defense adjusted all that much or, or even all that well to what Minnesota was doing. It didn't seem like they were you know, bringing a safety up and putting more guys in the box. Uh, didn't feel like they blitzed a whole lot more, maybe a little bit more in the second half. But it, it really felt like they were going to allow Minnesota and the running game to kind of dictate what happened in the second half. And, and really it did other than what shows up on the scoreboard other than a couple of major plays. No penalties in this game for either team. Not a single penalty in an entire football game. That's hard to believe, especially when you have 50 rushing attempts by one team. You're telling me on on 80 rushing attempts between the two teams there wasn't a single hold? That's, That's interesting. But hey... It's a clean game. It's a clean game for Iowa. No turnovers either. Obviously forced the two turnovers. And uh, and that's the, the story of the game is those two turnovers and Iowa's never-say-die attitude.
So now you're at a four-game win streak, all four against Big Ten West opponents, uh, to a Black Friday home game against Nebraska, a 3-8 and eight Nebraska team that just lost another kind of heartbreaking game. I didn't even see exactly how they lost this game to, to Wisconsin today. I know they were up 14 to, to nothing, I believe, uh, was Nebraska. Let's see. They had the, the touchdown in the first half. Okay, so it was 14-3. to three. Uh, Wisconsin had kicked a field goal in the third quarter before Nebraska went up 14-3. to three. But then Wisconsin scores a touchdown. They uh, didn't get the two-point conversion. So it's 14-9. to nine. Wisconsin scores that touchdown with 35 seconds left to, to win. So, you know, Nebraska will be playing hard for their coach. They'll be playing hard for the end of their season. But... This is a team that's going to be easily broken, I think. Uh, they've lost now one, two, three, four, five in a row since beating Rutgers. Uh, this is not a game that Iowa should lose. Now, these games have been very close the last handful of years. Um, I was a little worried. You know, I had seen some people saying, you know, the, the streak thing. I think it was Chris Hassel that I saw had, you know, Iowa's streaks and um, you know, they've lost some of these streaks and including the Illinois, I think they had won eight in a row against Illinois. They had run seven and six or seven in a row against Iowa state and lost that. Um, but they were able to keep this one and, uh, and hopefully they'll be able to keep another one here this weekend. They've won seven in a row against Nebraska, but let's look last year was 28, 21 in Lincoln year before that 26, 20 in Iowa city year before that 27, 24, year before that 31-28. So there's been four very close games and if you remember some of those Iowa had a big lead and then gave it up. Uh that includes uh the the kick um from Keith Duncan and the kiss to Scott Frost. Uh so this is a this is a game that Iowa should win. There's obviously everything on the line for Iowa to win. Uh who will Iowa play in Indianapolis if they do beat Nebraska? We don't know. It'll either be Michigan who struggled with Illinois today or Ohio State who struggled with Maryland today. And let me see how that game actually ended up. I, I didn't ever see the the end of the Ohio State Maryland game. This is a great, great radio, as we say. 43-30 to 30 was the final for Ohio State. So um, Ohio State and Michigan will play next week. Iowa and Nebraska will play on Friday. And if the Hawkeyes win, they're going back to Indianapolis, man. And I don't know how you can look at this season then and say it's been anything but a success. Now, I still think changes are going to need to be made. How wholesale or how how drastic of changes, I think that's probably more of a conversation now than it was a month ago. Um, I I think it's probably time for Brian Ferentz to move on as offensive coordinator. But if that's not the decision that's made, the problem is their argument is likely going to be we've won the Big Ten West two years in a row. We've won X number of games over those two seasons. And yeah, it hasn't been what we want in an offense, but it's been enough. And the problem is they're going to be right. And we're not going to like it. And we shouldn't like it. Because if this team had a good offense, God, can you imagine a good offense? Uh, we would not be going to Indianapolis as lambs to, to the slaughter, right? If this team had a good offense, we'd be going to Indianapolis with hopes of winning a Big Ten championship game and, and either going to play for a Rose Bowl or a national championship. And so 
you know, it is what it is, but you just have to, you have to enjoy a season like this as best you can. You have to like what Iowa has done, the way they've turned things around. You have to feel good for this team and these players and these coaches. Uh, this is fun, man. You win in November. This is what the 14th straight November win for Haw- for the Hawkeyes dating back to 2019. Again, the eighth game this season, they've held their opponent to 10 points or fewer. You know, soak this stuff up, man. It's, uh, this is the good stuff. It's not, <laughs> you have to like games like this if you're going to be a Hawkeye fan. You just have to. Uh, it's not always pretty and it's not always fun while it's happening, but in the end, you have to enjoy something like this because this is how you're going to get it. Let's go beat Nebraska. Uh, we will have the Hawkeye Nation radio show. Uh, I think we're going to air that on Wednesday night on 106.3 KXNO in Des Moines. Uh, that will be posted here on the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com. I'm going to talk to my guy Caleb Henry, who covers Nebraska, uh, this week about that game as the Opposition Research Podcast. We'll have this entire game covered from all angles, from Rick Brown and Rob Howe and John Bonacamp. Uh Oh, by the way, basketball is happening. I had an instant reaction podcast Wednesday night from Iowa's big win at Seton Hall. The Iowa women with a tough loss to Kansas State uh, the other night, but they're back on the floor um, tomorrow, maybe. The Iowa men back on the floor Monday uh, against Omaha. Uh, Iowa wrestling is is underway. There's a lot going on in Hawkeye Nation, man, and we got a lot. We got it all covered at HawkeyeNation.com, and uh, and we appreciate you uh, you being here with us. Uh, have a good weekend. Enjoy this one. Florida Rosedale stays home. You love it. You're going to see it at the state fair next year. You'll see it in the, in the trophy case. And I mean, it's just, it's, you, you want to have these things, these, these win streaks and these rivalry games are nice. They're not everything, but they are nice. And, and let's enjoy it while we can. I appreciate you listening and Hey, go Hawks.